Chapter Twenty Five of A Daughter of the Snows by Jack London. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty Five. La Bijou was a perfect expression of all that was dainty and delicate in the boat builder's soul. Light as an eggshell and as fragile, her three-eighths inch skin offered no protection from a driving chunk of ice as small as a man's head nor though the water was open did she find a clear way for the river was full of scattered flows which had crumbled down from the rim ice and here at once through skilful handling corliss took to himself confidence in frona it was a great picture the water rushing blackly between its crystalline walls beyond the green woods stretching upward to touch the cloud-flecked summer sky and over all like a furnace blast the hot sun beating down a great picture but somehow corliss's mind turned to his mother and her perennial tea the soft carpets the prim new england maidservants the canaries singing in the wide windows and he wondered if she could understand and when he thought of the woman behind him and felt the dip and lift dip and lift of her paddle his mother's women came back to him one by one and passed in long review pale glimmering ghosts he thought caricatures of the stock which had replenished the earth and which would continue to replenish the earth la bijou skirted a pivoting flow darted into a nipping channel and shot out into the open with the walls grinding together behind tommy groaned well done corliss encouraged the fear woman came the backward snarl why couldn't a she bite a bit Rona caught his words and flung a laugh defiantly. Vance darted a glance over his shoulder to her, and her smile was witchery. Her cap, perched precariously, was sliding off, while her flying hair, a glint in the sunshine, framed her face as he had seen it framed on the D.A. trail. "'How I should like to sing, if it weren't for saving one's breath. Say, the Song of the Sword, or the Anchor Chanty?' "'Or the First Chanty,' Corliss answered mine was the woman darkling i found her he hummed significantly she flashed her paddle into the water on the opposite side in order to go wide of a jagged cake and seemed not to hear i could go on this way forever and i corliss affirmed warmly but she refused to take notice saying instead vance do you know i'm glad we're friends no fault of mine were not more you're losing your stroke sir she reprimanded and he bent silently to the work la bijou was driving against the current at an angle of forty-five degrees and her resultant course was a line at right angles to the river thus she would tap the western bank directly opposite the starting point where she could work up stream in the slacker flood but a mile of indented shore and then a hundred yards of bluffs rising precipitously from out a stiff current would still lie between them and the man to be rescued now let us ease up corliss advised as they slipped into an eddy and drifted with the back tide under the great wall of rim ice who would think it in mid-may she glanced up at the carelessly poised cakes does it seem real to you vance he shook his head nor to me i know that i frona in the flesh am here in a peterborough paddling for dear life with two men year of our lord eighteen hundred and ninety-eight alaska yukon river this is water that is ice my arms are tired my heart up a few beats and i am sweating and yet it seems all a dream just think a year ago i was in paris 
she drew a deep breath and looked out over the water to the further shore where jacob wells's tent like a snowy handkerchief sprawled against the deep green of the forest i do not believe there is such a place she added there is no paris and i was in london a twelvemonth past corliss meditated but i have undergone a new incarnation london there is no london now it is impossible how could there be so many people in the world this is the world and we know of fact that there are very few people in it else there could not be so much ice and sea and sky tommy here i know thinks fondly of a place he calls toronto he mistakes it exists only in his mind a memory of a former life he knew of course he does not think so that is but natural for he is no philosopher nor does he bother Feast, will ye tommy fiercely whispered your gabble'll bring it doon aboot our heads life is brief in the northland and fulfilment ever clutters the heels of prophecy a premonitory tremor sighed down the air and the rainbow wall swayed above them the three paddles gripped the water with common accord la bijou leaped out from under broadside after broadside flared and crashed and a thousand frigid tons thundered down behind them the displaced water surged forward in a foamy upstanding circle and la bijou striving wildly to rise ducked through the stiff overhang of the crest and wallowed half full in the trough dinna i tell ye ye gabbling fools sit still and bail corliss checked him sharply or ye'll not have the comfort of telling us anything he shook his head at frona and she winked back then they both chuckled much like children over an escapade which looks disastrous but turns out well creeping timidly under the shadow of the impending avalanches la bijou slipped noiselessly up the last eddy a corner of the bluff rose savagely from the river a monstrous mass of naked rock scarred and battered of the centuries hating the river that gnawed it ever hating the rain that graved its grim face with unsightly seams hating the sun that refused to mate with it whereof green life might come forth and hide its hideousness the whole force of the river hurled in against it waged furious war along its battlements and caromed off into midstream again down all its length the stiff waves stood in serried rows and its crevices and water-torn caverns were a bellow with unseen strife now bend to it your best it was the last order corliss could give for in the din they were about to enter a man's voice were like a cricket's chirp amid the growling of an earthquake la bijou sprang forward cleared the eddy with a bound and plunged into the thick dip and lift dip and lift the paddles worked with rhythmic strength the water rippled and tore and pulled always at once and the fragile shell unable to go always at once shook and quivered with the shock of resistance it veered nervously to the right and left but frona held it with a hand of steel a yard away a fissure in the rock grinned at them la bijou leaped and shot ahead and the water slipping away underneath kept her always in one place now they surged out from the fissure now in ahead for half a yard then back again and the fissure mocked their toil five minutes each of which sounded a separate eternity and the fissure was passed ten minutes and it was a hundred feet astern dip and lift dip and lift till sky and earth and river were blotted out and consciousness dwindled to a thin line a streak of foam fringed on the one hand with sneering rock on the other with snarling water 
that thin line summed up all somewhere below was the beginning of things somewhere above beyond the roar and traffic was the end of things and for that end they strove and still frona held the eggshell with a hand of steel what they gained they held and fought for more inch by inch dip and lift and all would have been well but for the flutter of tommy's soul a cake of ice sucked beneath by the current rose under his paddle with a flurry of foam turned over its toothed edge and was dragged back into the depths and in that sight he saw himself hair streaming upward and drowned hands clutching emptiness going feet first down and down he stared wide-eyed at the portent and his poised paddle refused to strike on the instant the fisher grinned in their faces and the next they were below the bluffs drifting gently in the eddy frona lay head thrown back sobbing at the sun amidships corliss sprawled panting and forward choking and gasping and nerveless the scotsman drooped his head upon his knees la bijou rubbed softly against the rim ice and came to rest the rainbow wall hung above like a fairy pile the sun flung backward from innumerable facets clothed it in jewelled splendor silvery streams tinkled down its crystal slopes and in its clear depths seemed to unfold veil on veil the secrets of life and death and mortal striving vistas of pale shimmering azure opening like dream visions and promising down there in the great cool heart infinite rest infinite cessation and rest the topmost tower delicately massive a score of feet above them swayed to and fro gently like the ripple of wheat in light summer airs but corliss gazed at it unheeding just to lie there on the marge of the mystery just to lie there and drink the air in great gulps and do nothing he asked no more a dervish whirling on heel till all things blur may grasp the essence of the universe and prove the godhead indivisible and so a man plying a paddle and plying and plying may shake off his limitations and rise above time and space and so corliss but gradually his blood ceased its mad pounding and the air was no longer nectar sweet and a sense of things real and pressing came back to him we've got to get out of this he said his voice sounded like a man's whose throat has been scorched by many and long potations it frightened him but he limply lifted a shaking paddle and shoved off yes let us start by all means frona said in a dim voice which seemed to come to him from a far distance tommy lifted his head and gazed about a doot will just hide to gee it up bend to it ye'll try it anither bend to it corliss repeated till your heart bursts tommy frona added once again they fought up the thin line and all the world vanished save the streak of foam and the snarling river and the grinning fissure but they passed it inch by inch and the broad bend welcomed them from above and only a rocky buttress of implacable hate around whose base howled the tides of an equal hate stood between then la bijou leaped and throbbed and shook again and the current slid out from under and they remained ever in one place dip and lift dip and lift through an infinity of time and torture and travail till even the line dimmed and faded and the struggle lost its meaning their souls became merged in the rhythm of the toil ever lifting ever falling they seemed to have become great pendulums of time and before and behind glimmered the eternities and between the eternities ever lifting ever falling they pulsed in vast rhythmical movement they were no longer humans but rhythm they surged in till their paddles touched the bitter rock but they did not know 
surged out where chance piloted them unscathed through the lashing ice but they did not see nor did they feel the shock of the smitten waves nor the driving spray that cooled their faces la bijou veered out into the stream and their paddles flashing mechanically in the sunshine held her to the return angle across the river as time and matter came back to them and split up island dawned upon their eyes like the foreshore of a new world they settled down to the long easy stroke wherein breath and strength may be recovered a third attempt would have been useless corliss said in a dry cracked whisper and frona answered yes our hearts would have surely broken life and the pleasant campfire and the quiet rest in the noonday shade came back to tommy as the shore drew near and more than all blessed toronto its houses that never moved in its jostling streets each time his head sank forward and he reached out and clutched the water with his paddle the streets enlarged as though gazing through a telescope and adjusting to a nearer focus and each time the paddle drove clear and his head was raised the island bounded forward his head sank and the streets were of the size of life it raised and jacob wells and the two men stood on the bank three lengths away didn't i tell ye he shouted to them triumphantly but frona jerked the canoe parallel to the bank and he found himself gazing at the long upstream stretch he arrested a stroke midway and his paddle clattered in the bottom pick it up corliss's voice was sharp and relentless i'll do nothing of the kind he turned a rebellious face on his tormentor and ground his teeth in anger and disappointment the canoe was drifting down with the current and frona merely held it in place corliss crawled forward on his knees i don't want to hurt you tommy he said in a low tense voice so well just tick it up that's a good fellow i'll know then i shall kill you corliss went on in the same calm passionless way at the same time drawing his hunting knife from its sheath and if i dinna the scotsman queried stoutly though cowering away corliss pressed gently with the knife the point of the steel entered tommy's back just where the heart should be passed slowly through the shirt and bit into the skin nor did it stop there nor did it quicken but just as slowly held on its way he shrank back quivering there there man Hiddy-doop! he shrieked i mun ye in frona's face was quite pale but her eyes were hard brilliantly hard and she nodded approval we're going to try this side and shoot across from above she called to her father what i can't hear tommy oh his heart's weak nothing serious she saluted with her paddle we'll be back in no time father mine in no time stewart river was wide open and they ascended it a quarter of a mile before they shot its mouth and continued up the yukon but when they were well abreast of the man on the opposite bank a new obstacle faced them a mile above a wreck of an island clung desperately to the river bed its tail dwindled to a sand spit which bisected the river as far down as the impassable bluffs further a few hundred thousand tons of ice had grounded upon the spit and upreared a glittering ridge we'll have to portage corliss said as frona turned the canoe from the bank la bijou darted across the narrower channel to the sand spit and slipped up a little ice ravine where the walls were less precipitous they landed on an outjutting cake which without support overhung the water for sheer thirty feet how far its other end could be buried in the mass was matter for conjecture they climbed to the summit dragging the canoe after them and looked out over the dazzle flow was piled upon flow in titanic confusion 
huge blocks topped and overtopped one another only to serve as pedestals for great white masses which blazed and scintillated in the sun like monstrous jewels a bonny place for a bit walk tommy sneered with an ex jam fair to come any time he sat down resolutely no thank ye kindly i'll no try it frona and corliss clambered on the canoe between them the persians lashed their slaves into battle she remarked looking back i never understood before hadn't you better go back after him corliss kicked him up whimpering and forced him to go on in advance the canoe was an affair of little weight but its bulk on the steep rises and sharp turns taxed their strength the sun burned down upon them its white glare hurt their eyes the sweat oozed out from every pore and they panted for breath oh vance do you know what he swept the perspiration from his forehead and flung it from him with a quick flirt of the hand i wish i had eaten more breakfast he grunted sympathetically they had reached the midmost ridge and could see the open river and beyond quite clearly the man and his signal of distress below pastoral in its green quiet lay split up island they looked up to the broad bend of the yukon smiling lazily as though it were not capable at any moment of spewing forth a flood of death at their feet the ice sloped down into a miniature gorge across which the sun cast a broad shadow go on tommy frona bade we're halfway over and there's water down there it's water you'd be thinking on is it he snarled and you a leadin a buddy to his death i fear you have done some great sin tommy she said with a reproving shake of the head or else you would not be so afraid of death she sighed and picked up her end of the canoe well i suppose it is natural you do not know how to die no more do i want to die he broke in fiercely but there come times for all men to die times when to die is the only thing to do perhaps this is such a time tommy slid carefully over a glistening ledge and dropped his height to a broad foothold it's a very good he grinned up but dinna ye think i've sufficient discrimination to judge for myself why should i no sing my ain song because you do not know how the strong have ever pitched the key for such as you it is they that have taught your kind when and how to die and led you to die and lashed you to die ye pit it fair he rejoined and ye do it well it doesna behoove me to complain sic a michty fine job ye're makin on it you are doing well corliss chuckled as tommy dropped out of sight and landed into the bed of the gorge the cantankerous brute he'd argue on the trail to judgment where did you learn to paddle she asked college exercise he answered shortly but isn't that fine look the melting ice had formed a pool in the bottom of the gorge frona stretched out full length and dipped her hot mouth into its coolness and lying as she did the soles of her dilapidated moccasins or rather the soles of her feet for moccasins and stockings had gone in shreds were turned upward they were very white and from contact with the ice were bruised and cut here and there the blood doozed out and from one of the toes it streamed steadily so wee and pretty and salt-like tommy jibed one wouldn't a think they could lead a strong man to hell by the way you grumble they're leading you fast enough corliss answered angrily forty mile an hour tommy retorted as he walked away gloating over having the last word one moment you've two shirts lend me one the scotsman's face lighted inquisitively till he comprehended then he shook his head and started on again frona scrambled to her feet what's the matter nothing sit down but what is the matter 
Corliss put his hands on her shoulders and pressed her back. "'Your feet. You can't go on in such shape. They're in ribbons. See?' He brushed the sole of one of them and held up a blood-dripping palm. "'Why didn't you tell me?' "'Oh, they don't bother much.' "'Give me one of your skirts,' he demanded. "'I?' she faltered. "'I only have one.' He looked about him. Tommy had disappeared among the ice-flows. "'We must be getting on,' Frona said, attempting to rise. But he held her back. "'Not another step till I fix you. Here goes, so shut your eyes.' She obeyed, and when she opened them he was naked to the waist, and his undershirt, torn in strips, was being bound about her feet. "'You were in the rear, and I did not know.' don't apologize pray she interrupted i could have spoken i'm not i'm reproaching you now the other one put it up the nearness of her bred a madness and he touched his lips lightly to the same white little toe that had won the baron corberton a kiss though she did not draw back her face flushed and she thrilled as she had thrilled once before in her life you take advantage of your own goodness she rebuked him then i will doubly advantage myself please don't she begged and why not it is a custom of the sea to broach the spirits as the ship prepares to sink and since this is a sort of forlorn hope you know why not but but what miss prim oh of all things you know i do not deserve that if there were nobody else to be considered why under the circumstances he drew the last knot tight and dropped her foot damn st vincent anyway come on so would i were i you she laughed taking up her end of the canoe but how you have changed vance you are not the same man i met on the d a trail you hadn't learned to swear then among other things no i'm not the same for which i thank god and you only i think i am honester than you i always live up to my philosophy now confess that's unfair you ask too much under the circumstances only a little toe or else i suppose you just care for me in a kind of big brotherly way in which case if you really wish it you may do keep quiet he broke in roughly or i'll be making a gorgeous fool of myself kiss all my toes she finished he grunted but did not deign a reply the work quickly took their breath and they went on in silence till they descended the last steep to where macpherson waited by the open river dell hates st vincent she said boldly why yes it seems that way he glanced back at her curiously and wherever he goes dell lugs an old russian book which he can't read but which he nevertheless regards in some sort of way as st vincent's nemesis and do you know frona he has such faith in it that i can't help catching a little myself i don't know whether you'll come to me or whether i'll go to you but she dropped her end of the canoe and broke out in laughter he was annoyed and a hurt spread of blood ruddied his face if i have stupid she laughed don't be silly and above all don't be dignified it doesn't exactly become you at the present moment your hair all tangled a murderous knife in your belt and naked to the waist like a pirate stripped for battle be fierce frown swear anything but please don't be dignified i do wish i had my camera in after years i could say this my friends is corliss the great arctic explorer just as he looked at the conclusion of his world-famous trip through darkest alaska he pointed an ominous finger at her and said sternly where is your skirt she involuntarily looked down but its tatterdemalion presence relieved her and her face jerked up scarlet you should be ashamed please please do not be dignified he laughed very true it doesn't exactly become you at the present moment now if i had my camera 
do be quiet and go on she said i hope the sun takes the skin all off your back she panted vindictively as they slid the canoe down the last shelf and dropped it into the water ten minutes later they climbed the ice wall and on and up the bank which was partly a hillside to where the signal of distress still fluttered beneath it on the ground lay stretched the man he lay very quietly and the fear that they were too late was upon them when he moved his head slightly and moaned his rough clothes were in rags and the black bruised flesh of his feet showed through the remnants of his moccasins his body was thin and gaunt without flesh pads or muscles while the bone seemed ready to break through the tight-stretched skin as corliss felt his pulse his eyes fluttered open and stared glassily frona shuddered man it's fair gruesome mcpherson muttered running his hand up a shrunken arm you go on to the canoe frona corliss said tommy and i will carry him down but her lips set firmly though the descent was made easier by her aid the man was well shaken by the time they laid him in the bottom of the canoe so well shaken that some last shreds of consciousness were aroused he opened his eyes and whispered hoarsely jacob wells dispatches from the outside he plucked feebly at his open shirt and across his emaciated chest they saw the leather strap to which doubtless the dispatch pouch was slung at either end of the canoe there was room to spare but amidships corliss was forced to paddle with the man between his knees la bijou swung blithely from the bank it was downstream at last and there was little need for exertion vance's arms and shoulders and back a bright scarlet caught frona's attention my hopes are realized she exulted reaching out and softly stroking a burning arm we shall have to put cold cream on it when we get back go ahead he encouraged that feels awfully good she splashed his hot back with a handful of the ice-cold water from overside he caught his breath with a gasp and shivered tommy turned about to look at them it's a good deed will a doon this day he remarked pleasantly to gi a hand in distress is good i the sight of god who's afeard frona laughed weel he deliberated i was a bit fashed no doot but his utterance ceased and he seemed suddenly to petrify his eyes fixed themselves in a terrible stare over frona's shoulder and then slowly and dreamily with the solemnity fitting an invocation of deity murmured quid god almighty they whirled their heads about a wall of ice was sweeping round the bend and even as they looked the right-hand flank unable to compass the curve struck the farther shore and flung up a ridge of heaving mountains quid god quid god like rats in the trap tommy jabbed his paddle futilely in the water get the stroke corliss hissed in his ear and la bijou sprang away frona steered straight across the current at almost right angles for split up and when the sand spit over which they had portage crashed at the impact of a million tons corliss glanced at her anxiously she smiled and shook her head at the same time slacking off the course we can't make it she whispered looking back at the ice a couple of hundred feet away our only chance is to run before it and work in slowly she cherished every inward inch jealously holding the canoe up as sharply as she dared and at the same time maintaining a constant distance ahead of the ice rim i canna stand the pace tommy whimpered once but the silence of corliss and frona seemed ominous and he kept his paddle going at the very fore of the ice was a floe five or six feet thick and a couple of acres in extent reaching out in advance of the pack it clove through the water till on either side there formed a bore like that of a quick 
flood-tide in an inland passage tommy caught sight of it and would have collapsed had not corliss prodded him between strokes with the point of his paddle we can keep ahead frona panted but we must get time to make the landing when the chance comes drive her in bow on corliss counselled and when she strikes jump and run for it climb rather i'm glad my skirt is short repulsed by the bluffs of the left bank the ice was forced towards the right the big floe in advance drove in upon the precise point of split-up island if you look back i'll brain you at the paddle corliss threatened aye tommy groaned but corliss looked back and so did frona the great berg struck the land with an earthquake shock for fifty feet the soft island was demolished a score of pines swayed frantically and went down and where they went down rose up a mountain of ice which rose and fell and rose again below and but a few feet away del bishop ran out to the bank and above the roar they could hear faintly his hit her up hit her up then the ice rim wrinkled up and he sprang back to escape it the first opening corliss gasped frona's lips spread apart she tried to speak but failed then nodded her head that she had heard they swung along in rapid rhythm under the rainbow wall looking for a place where it might be quickly cleared and down all the length of split-up island they raced vainly the sure crashing behind them as they fled as they darted across the mouth of the back channel to Rubeau island they found themselves heading directly for an opening in the rim ice la bijou drove into it full tilt and went half her length out of water on a shelving cake the three of them leaped together but while the two of them gripped the canoe to run it up tommy in the lead strove only to save himself and he would have succeeded had he not slipped and fallen midway in the climb he half arose slipped and fell again corliss hauling on the bow of the canoe trampled over him he reached up and clutched the gunwale they did not have the strength and this clog brought them at once to a standstill corliss looked back and yelled for him to let go but he only turned upward a piteous face like that of a drowning man and clutched more tightly behind them the ice was thundering the first flurry of coming destruction was upon them they endeavored desperately to drag up the canoe but the added burden was too much and they fell on their knees the sick man sat up suddenly and laughed wildly blood of my soul he ejaculated and laughed again Rubeau island swayed to the first shock and the ice was rocking under their feet frona seized a paddle and smashed the scotsman's knuckles and the instant he loosed his grip corliss carried the canoe up in a mad rush frona clinging on and helping from behind the rainbow wall curled up like a scroll and in the convolutions of the scroll like a bee in the many folds of a magnificent orchid tommy disappeared they fell breathless on the earth but a monstrous cake shoved up from the jam and balanced above them frona tried to struggle to her feet but sank on her knees and it remained for corliss to snatch her and the canoe out from underneath again they fell this time under the trees the sun sifting down upon them through the green pine needles the robins singing overhead and a colony of crickets chirping in the warmth end of chapter twenty five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com